0: It's working, it's producing. You have an answer that's producing and evidently it's producing as well or more, you know, better than anybody else. And so when you get the answer, you don't keep searching for an answer. When you get an answer, you don't keep going deeper. And so what happens is that people get hung up on what is true and leave so much potential because. The biggest danger to your potential is not what you don't know. The biggest danger to your potential
1: is what you know for sure. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our leadership, develop our teams and scale our business in a way that allows us to get our products and services out to the world yet still remain profitable? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner, and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Hey, before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Welcome to another episode of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. My name is Bradley Hamner, your host. In today's episode, we have Andy Andrews. He's hailed by the New York Times reporter as someone who has quietly become one of the most influential people in America. Andy, he's an internationally known speaker and author. Among his New York Times bestsellers are the classic novels, The Traveler's Gift and The Noticer. Leaders from top organizations around the world, including four U.S. presidents, interesting enough, regularly seek him out as a trusted resource for unlocking extraordinary results. If you have not read The Traveler's Gift and The Noticer, I highly suggest you pick it up and I think you'll see why in my conversation with Andy Andrews. Have you ever tried online marketing before and wasn't sure if it was working? Maybe your rep talked about all the impressive features and stats and said things were going great, but you didn't know how all that tied into raw new policies written. Well, that's not the case with DirectClicks. DirectClicks is the premier Google Ads and SEO option exclusively for State Farm agents. Why? They're 100% percent results oriented with an exclusivity guarantee. Every review call you have with your account manager focuses on what really matters to your business, and that's leads and call-ins received. Everything will get broken down to cost per lead received. By investing with DirectClicks, you're going to free up time and energy to focus on what's most important in your agency and doing what it is you do best. This will be the best investment you make for your team by spending confidently and scaling your agency today with exclusive online marketing partner, DirectClicks. Visit us at directclicksinc.com. Ambition is the first step towards success. It's time to level up your agency. Sign up at com and get your first full month for free when you mention the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Andy Andrews, welcome to the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Buddy, how are you doing, Bradley? I'm honored to be here. Oh man, I'm doing awesome and it's great to have you. So for those of you that have not read any of Andy's books, I cannot recommend them enough. But for people that don't know your story, Can you just take us back and tell a little bit about your journey, about the way you've traveled, your background and origin story to get to where you are today and a little bit about some of the things that you do?
0: Sure. I lived kind of a normal life till I was 19 and my parents died that year. My mom died of cancer. My dad was killed in a car accident. Same year, so a tough time, but I've always had the ability to take a bad situation and make it worse. And I did. I made some bad moves. and Ended up literally homeless before that was even a word. 35, 40 years ago, nobody was talking about homeless people. That wasn't a term anybody used. But I was sleeping under a pier on the Gulf Coast and in and out of people's garages, which is not safe or smart. But I did. And it was there that I met this old guy late one night under my pier. Scared me to death. This old guy, we saw him in and out of town. We didn't know where he went when he left town. We didn't know where he stayed when he was in town. Didn't know how old he was. You look at him, and goes, he 80 or 180? We weren't really sure. And we didn't know what was in that suitcase he carried around. But we called him Jones, not Mr. Jones, just Jones. And he called himself a noticer. He said, when God was passing out talents, I didn't get the cool ones. I can't run fast. I can't sing great but I noticed little things that make a difference in people's lives. And so this was the first guy to really tell me the truth about myself, to get me going in a direction. He started me reading. I'd always been kind of a sports illustrated field and stream kind of person. And he got me reading books, actual like biographies. And I don't know why I thought I hated biographies. Probably because somebody in school made me read them. He gave me three, To start with, it was Winston Churchill, George Washington Carver, and Will Rogers. And I read the Churchill one first, and and I got hooked on it. I just got hooked on the stories, and I ended up reading over 200 of these biographies. When he gave them to me, I said, what, biographies? And he said, no, these are adventure stories. They're mysteries and romances and thrillers, and they're true. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh. he said, yeah, they're from the library. When you get through with them, take them back. And so I would take them back and get more. I ended up reading over 200 biographies of these happy, successful, influential, great people. Yeah, I used to call them great. But when I say great people, I always think, you know, do they do biographies of any other kind of people? It's not a loser section on Amazon, is there? I would read these books and, and I began to graph things that these people were or had or the way they acted and and my big question then bradley living on the beach was is life just a lottery ticket or is there something you can do i'm reading about these people and thinking were these people just born this way or is it something they did and if it was something they did what they do and how long did it take them to do it and i finally identified seven things and that's what i called them at first just things and turned out to be principles these were not seven habits or seven characteristics these were principles that these people had put in their lives and that they harnessed and used but it was curious to me that i didn't think i could find anybody that i knew that had had all seven of them there's like most of these people well they had all seven but it's like they didn't harness all seven it's like Mm -hmm. somebody knew they had three of them and they really used those three but with the passage of time we could read about their lives and see they also had the other four they just weren't dominant in their life because they seemed to be unaware of them i began to think well, what happens to somebody who knows all seven what happens to that life? What happens to a kid whose parents know all seven of these principles and can teach these seven principles? What happens to that kid's life? And long story short, those are the seven principles that I put in my life to start yanking myself out of that situation. And years later, they became the seven decisions in The Traveler's Gift, which was my first novel, which is a story about a family going through a tough time and the dad gets to travel through time meeting with seven historical figures who are also having a tough time of their own. He gets to be with Anne Frank in the Annex and Harry Truman while Truman's determining how to end the war. And he gets to be with King Solomon when Solomon says, bring me this sword and I'll tell you whose baby this is. And each of these seven historical figures give this man a different decision mm. that if he puts it in his life, if he puts this principle in his life, things will change for him. And so that's the basic story of The Traveler's Gift. And I also wrote a book called The Noticer about the old man. And so those are two of the books I've written anyway.
1: When did you realize that you had the gift to be able to take the things that you had learned from all those biographies and be able to put it as an author? When did you begin to kind of realize that?
0: Well, Honestly, I probably began to realize that I had some kind of gift for it after about the fourth book. Because when I wrote The Traveler's Gift, I just knew I had something to say. I just knew I had a story in my mind wrapped around these seven decisions that I wanted to tell. But you know, I was not the best writer in my senior English class. And so I wasn't sure how to write. I have people ask me all the time, they say, I would like to write a book, but I don't really know how." And my answer is, yeah, well, John Grisham didn't know how until he wrote one, because I certainly didn't know how. And it was a lot of trial and error. And when The Traveler's Gift hit, Traveler's Gift was Good Morning America's Book of the Month. And so Mm -hmm. it really hit. And then a year later, they named it one of the five books you should read in your lifetime. So that book really hit. And I was like... rookie pitcher with a one-year contract that had just won 25 games. And so the publishing company signed me to a three book deal and it terrified me because I'm thinking, I don't know how I wrote the first one. (laughs) (laughs) And so it took me a while to ease into the fact that I could do this. But to this day, I can't diagram sentences. I can't tell you the subject or the predicate or the opposite of the predisposition. Yeah. I just know when it's right. So.
1: It really is a gift, right? It's a gift. And I think it speaks to the quality of the storytelling, right? Just the quality of the story that people can put themselves in that frame of mind. Like, I really enjoy reading business books and like Patrick Lencioni, the way that he'll write his books and fables. You feel like you begin to relate to the characters in the story, just as so many people can relate to the character in the story, David Ponder, that you write about in the book, and that they can kind of see themselves in that. I'm curious, what are some of the, in your, since writing the book and in it publishing, what are some of the stories that you've heard from business leaders and business owners about how they have been able to internalize the book? And as you said, put some of those things in place? Not just read the book and be like, oh, it's a great book, but actually do something with it and right. then the transformation that they've seen.
0: Well, The Traveler's Gift, it's my best-selling book. And then this followed closely by The Noticer. And both of those books are used extensively by organizations, by companies, by teams. In fact, I was just thinking the other day, I rarely have anybody come up to me to talk to me about the traveler's gift that doesn't say I buy them for all my clients or I bought them for everybody in my office. And So it makes me think, you know, the, the books sold several million copies, but it's probably only a couple of hundred people that have bought them, you know, <laughs> because it's, they're evidently giving them all away. But I've seen there's some national championship teams that have used it, a bunch of companies and tons of small businesses and a World Series team, a Super Bowl winning team, prisons use it, which is amazing to me. And I think it lends itself, The Traveler's Give especially lends itself to go in a chapter at a time mm-hmm. and discussing that particular mm-hmm. aspect of it. We started with seven of my books, we call life skills courses. And so we've got different coaches that, like one coach coaches the Traveler's Gift, one coaches the Heart Mender, one coaches the Noticer, one's the Butterfly Effect. And so these are three, six, and eight-week courses that are done by Zoom. And so we've got another lineup going, and people come in and discuss this online. But it's the same thing that can be done in a business setting Mm -hmm. or in a family setting or a church setting, that these decisions, these principles can be discussed. And there's a lot of depth to these principles, Bradley, that I didn't really expect when I wrote the book. You know, I wrote The Traveler's Gift 20 years ago. and it's amazing to me because sometimes I will still do seven decision seminars, and it's shocking to me that when I'm talking about these seven decisions, most of what I'm talking about I learned after I wrote the book, and it really just kind of plays on what wisdom is supposed to be. I always prayed for wisdom because I thought it was supposed to, and so I did, but I didn't really have a great understanding of that concept of what I was after or how I would know I got it or, but I saw a definition of wisdom one day that really resonated with me. And it was a deeper understanding of principle. (laughs) And it was curious to me that it was a deeper understanding of principle, because if it was a deep understanding of principle, that's the target that you could hit. You could hit it and go, okay, I have a deep understanding of principle. I'm good. I'm wise, but a deeper understanding of principle, when you get to a deeper understanding of principle, where do you go from there? Well, deeper, I guess. And so it's amazing how many folds there are to these principles that are just life-changing and principles work every time. When's the last time you had something in your hands that you just knew it is works every time. And that's what principles are. And principles work whether you know them or not. The principle of gravity was working long before the apple ever fell on Newton's head. But once it did, and once he understood it, Mm -hmm. then we as a society were free to harness that principle to create airline flight and suspension bridges and any number of things. The principle of gravity helps way over. Well, there's, Principles of life and parenting and business and finances and achievement, there's principles floating around out there too. So why shouldn't we learn them and harness them to create the future of our choosing? Because it's like you've heard ignorance of the law is no excuse. Well, Mm -hmm. ignorance of principle does not get you away from consequences of violating that principle just because you didn't know it. And so it really puts an impetus on us to search and understand.
1: I think that just you saying that you yourself, over 20 years, you wrote the book. These were principles you uncovered to admit that over the years, you've come to a deeper and deeper and deeper understanding yourself of that versus, no, I got the principles figured out. Now I just got to kind of pass them all into everybody else. I think that just because so many of our listening audience are business owners and they're leading teams and they're leaders in their community, there's this idea that business is a bathrobe, like one size fits all for everybody. Right. But there's just so much depth and nuance that's required in business to say, yeah, okay, so I get the general idea, but like, I've got to go a lot deeper on that. And I think that that's kind of what you're saying, like these timeless principles to say it works every time. I love that. And I love the fact that you distinguish deep understanding versus deeper understanding. I think you have one of the very first thing you mentioned is you've always had the ability to turn a very, very difficult situation, and make it worse, but then you've kind of pulled it out and extracted some principles. I've said this on an earlier podcast, but we're coming out of an unprecedented time. We're in an unprecedented time for everyone but leaders especially like leading through this and then leading out of this crisis so we're talking about pandemic and we're talking about political you know war that's happening in ukraine there's supply chain issues and there's gas prices inflation it's just a really challenging time that is the facts for sure how have you been able to help people business leaders to guide through this time of turmoil and uncertainty
0: well it is with a process that i really got a deeper understanding of and that is perspective perspective is the only thing that can totally change the results without changing any of the facts if you and i went out and asked somebody said well, what is perspective most people would say well perspective it's like how you see something it's How you see the glass is glass half full is the glass half empty is how you see that glass. It's true, but it's not the truth, because the truth of the matter is that the glass is what it is. I mean, if you look at the level in the glass, it's not half full. It's not half empty. It's just whatever it is. Okay, so perspective, your perspective on it is not how you see it. It's how you choose to see it and how you choose to see it makes all the difference because we all know what happens to half empty people, people who see something as half empty. It's like, there's a fact, here's what's happening. And so let's say that one person, and I'm going to show you how perspective is the only thing that can change the results without changing any of the fact. So you got this situation that's happening and this one person looks at it and goes, This is just the worst thing that could have ever happened. Well, by declaring that and looking at that that way, what do people do when they are confronting the worst thing that could have happened? They're stunned. They're still. They don't move. They're depressed. They give up. They decide they're going to have to wait it out, and they're going to have to wait it out inside by themselves. And when you look at a person like that, that is the kind of person that does not get hired first. A glass half empty person, this is not who we're looking for to hire. This yeah. is not who we're looking to promote to leadership. This is not somebody we're going to follow uphill into machine gun fire. The glass half empty person, this is a person who's not going to receive even close to an equal share of opportunities because. They've retreated, they're by themselves and opportunities generally come from other people, from situations and because they've isolated, because they're not receiving the opportunity, what they believe became true. It really did turn out to be the worst thing that could have happened for them. But then you got another person is looking at this and going, okay, I've been in situations before where I would have never chosen them in a million years. And yet two years after I look back and go, thank God that happened because we wouldn't be here. Yeah. I would have never chosen that, but look at what's happened, And so, hey, this could be the best thing that ever happened. We have a history of dealing with change. We have a history of being flexible. And so this could be the best thing that ever happened. We're just gonna keep our eyes open and see which way we go with this. And so that person, remains optimistic and so with the world seemingly falling apart people are gravitating toward people who can maintain an emotional iq a high emotional iq and so that person is around other people that person is glass half full people are the first people we hire they're the first people we promote to leadership and Those people, because there are so many people that gravitate to them when there's an opportunity to be had, they're hearing about it first. And so it really does turn out to be the best thing that could have ever happened for them. And so perspective is a huge tool if you understand it. If you understand that it's not how you see something, it's how you choose to see it.
1: Man, that is so good. When I look back on the worst things that have ever happened in my life, or in my business, in the moment, I do not think, boy, I cannot wait to tell this story in two years. Like, there's no way. I'm not saying that. But looking back on it, I think, man, I'm so thankful for the blessing of that because I became a better person along the way. And I don't think I would have learned those lessons if it wasn't for that. The things that I have done, the poor leadership that I had, the way that I would lead the team at times and the way that I would handle emotional decisions and all of those, I mean, like it only made me to be able to look back and say, man, yeah, I was a really poor leader then, but now I know exactly who I need to be at this point. Does that make sense? Yeah. Makes total
0: sense. I mean, I look back at being under the pier. I wouldn't have chosen that in a million years. I still wouldn't. But if that had not happened,
1: I wouldn't be here talking to you. So. Let's go through, for somebody who has not read the book, let's go through quickly, the seven decisions of seven principles, because I, I think we obviously wanna just at least cover those and then we can kind of have a back and forth. So can we just kind of go high level on those seven? We we can, but I gotta tell you, it
0: distresses me to do it. And the reason <laughs> is because if you just hear them, you go, yeah, okay, I've heard that. Because if you don't gather the deep understanding, I'll give you an example. The first decision is the buck stops here. Mm -hmm. And so that's responsibility. And I can tell you real quickly there's responsibility. There's seeking wisdom. Number Mm -hmm. three is I'm a person of action. Number four is I will have a decided heart. Number five is today I will choose to be happy. Number six is I'll greet each day with a forgiving spirit. And number seven is I will persist without exception. But to give you an idea, you know, if you if say responsibility, people go, yeah, okay, I hear that every day. But in reality, I don't think many people understand responsibility because I think that if we understood responsibility, we would have an economy that was kicking on all gears and we would have relationships that were lasting longer than they seem to last. There seems to be two extremes on this thought of responsibility. You got one side that goes until they accept responsibility for where they are, they're never gonna be able. And you got the other side going, but it's not their fault. It's not their fault. Don't you understand how they grew up? And in reality, neither are correct because responsibility doesn't have anything to do with blaming people for where they are or where they've ended up. Responsibility at its core is about hope and control. And who among us doesn't want to have hope for a greater future we control? You yeah. do not want that? But if you blame your mother or you blame the weather or you blame your neighbors or you blame your wife or you blame the president, there's not a lot of hope there because sure. there's zero control. I mean, I don't know about you, Bradley. I can't control my wife. What are we going to do? If it's my wife's fault, what are we going to do about her? And yeah. if you've ended up in a horrible place and you don't like where you are, and if you decide it really is the fault of the president of the United States of America, whoever that person is, you know, you might as well jump off a cliff. What are you going to do about the president today? Right. Well, what could we possibly do? But the idea is if you could look in the mirror and say, I've had some Crazy things happen in my life. I've had some tragedies happen and I couldn't control any of them, Mm. but I have made choices in response to those crazy things that Mm. have led my life right down a path to a place that I don't like. Then if you can believe that you can make choices that would lead your life down a path to a place that you don't like, that's great news because if you can understand and believe you can make choices that lead you to a place you don't like, doesn't it just make logical sense? You could also make choices that would lead you to a place you do like. 100%. So the game becomes make better choices. And that's where the next one comes into seeking wisdom.
1: Are you an agency owner looking to grow your revenue, increase your bottom line, and better manage your taxes? Club Capital is here to help. Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agents in the country, providing monthly accounting, tax strategy, and CFO services. Way more than bookkeeping and your everyday run-of-the-mill tax prep, Club Capital is focused on providing financial and tax advisory services that help you plan and forecast your agency's performance. The best use of money is to buy back your time, and one of the best ways to do that is with a virtual assistant. Rock solid virtual Assistance brings together top business leaders with exceptional virtual assistants to build successful relationship driven teams. The services they provide range from graphic design and marketing to executive admin assistance and everything in between. There are many virtual assistant companies on the market to choose from, but at Rock Solid, their processes and passion for what they do place them at the very top of that list. Not only is their hiring process exceptional, which nets them the very best assistance, but they also provide superior support to their teams for the duration of your time with them. The matching process at Rock Solid is unlike any other, and they have the track record to prove it. Their hands-on approach has proven to increase the success rate of their teams exponentially. So if you're looking to build a rock solid team for your business, reach out to Tracy and the team for a no pressure discovery call at rocksolidassistance.com. They value your success as if it were their own, because it is. You know, it leads me to thinking about the book, It Is the Little Things. Right, it, it really is. is. The things.
0: I did that book because I would hear so much, you know, don't sweat the small stuff, don't sweat the small stuff. And one of the things that Jones told me when I was a young man, he said, you hear that? Don't sweat small stuff. You better. And I said, really? And he said, buddy, it's all small stuff. They're right about that. But what you got to understand is that wherever your life ends up, if your life ends up as a masterpiece or your life ends up as a disaster, either way it will have been put together one tiny brush stroke at a time. It's those little things that matter. You know, if you look at one of the smallest things that I can remember this in the book, in recent history, remember Michael Phelps, his eighth gold medal in Beijing, Speedo was offering him a million dollars. If he broke Mark Spitz's record, Mark Spitz Mm -hmm. had seven gold medals. If you get eight, a million dollar check on top of all the other stuff. And he did get that eighth gold medal. But most people forget that he won that by one, one hundredth of a second. That's less time than it takes to blink your eye. That's less time than it takes a hummingbird to flap its wings once. Less time than a lightning strike. Mm -hmm. But the most interesting thing about that is Most likely, that two one-hundredths of a second that he won that by was probably figured in there somewhere, not even in the race. I mean, was that an extra cup of coffee that morning? Was that an extra hour of sleep two nights before? Was it a thought? You know, physicists are beginning to believe that thoughts have mass, and so you could see how on the stand. If he's there on the stand, he just churning through the water and one thought of this is not going to work. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that could have taken away 2 one hundredths of a second. And the ability to control that thought process and choose what he thought, mm. but it's a little thing.
1: I'm so glad you brought that up because I forgot about that. And what a great illustration for decisions and choices that we make in our life. Every day I mentioned on some other episodes that in March I had for the past year. So, from the previous year, we had done some renovations in our house and so, um, fairly tall. So, I can carry some weight without people really knowing that I've gained some weight. So, I'd gained to like 15 pounds and nobody really knew, but my pants knew. Okay. (laughs) And, uh, um, 41. And so, this was the first time where it's like, oh man, this is really like I can't just work this off and i remember that first week i kind of rededicated myself to it i ended up hiring a, like a trainer online to do it but i ended up just using simply my fitness pal to, cal- to track my calories and the reason i'm telling the story is because i realized that it was the small times that i would grab a cliff bar and i would grab something else and, and this is not about the calories but it's everything about the calories it was 400 calories there and it was because if you looked at what i was eating i wasn't really eating that bad but i would just grab something here and it was 175 and over a longer period of time when i wasn't doing the things i needed to do those decisions those choices added up to me gaining weight that happened to be a fitness example for me and so i had to start making better choices in the things that i did or did not eat along the way and even a couple of weeks ago i made the decision to give up alcohol. Like, I just stopped drinking alcohol. I don't know if I'm going to do it permanently, but I would drink, you know, I enjoyed a glass of wine at night or have a beer on the weekends. And I just said, you know what, I just don't, I just don't think I'm going to do it right now. And that's been one of the best decisions. Again, we'll say how long it takes, but that's kind of how I interpret also just thinking about it a little bit differently about what Michael Phelps went through. What a great illustration.
0: And what that also does by just saying, hey, I'm not going to do that for a while. It Proves your discipline to yourself. You know mm-hmm. that you can. And if I can choose not to do this, I can choose not to do other things, and I can choose to do things I've been avoiding. I think life is a process of demonstrating to ourselves
1: what we're capable of. Don't you think that a lot of times we go through life and we, I think for me, like, I wonder, am I? going to get out of life, everything that I was actually capable of? Like, for instance, do I reach my potential, right? Right. Do I actually reach my potential? Or because I want to be able to see like, what can I actually possibly do? Because I don't want to get to the end of my life and go, man, I had way more in the tank.
0: Here's the first, one of the first conversations I have with a new client. And that is the best piece of advice I've ever gotten in my life. And it was from the old man. And that piece of advice is, you can't believe everything you think. And that kind of went over my head when I first heard it. But what I understand that to mean now, the best way I can explain it is, have you ever known something? I mean, you knew it and you could argue it and you exactly. could win the argument every time. And then you found out six months later, a year later, ooh, well, that wasn't exactly right. Or <laughs> gosh, my information was a little incomplete on that. Well, uh, of course, you know. And so if you've ever done that, does the possibility exist that something you know now, your information might be incomplete? And you would go, well, Andy, of course, something I know now, my information might be incomplete. I agree. But the point is, we don't know what that is, do we? And we don't know how many subjects that may cover in our lives. Yes. And so, the idea that things can be true and not be the truth. Because the truth is a foundation. The truth is, that's bottom of the pool. That's as far as you can go. But things can be true along the way. And the biggest danger to someone fulfilling their potential is that they've stopped at what is true. And it's particularly dangerous for people who are doing well, who are in the first or second or third place or something, because they're looking around and they haven't got much to compare to compared to them. And the danger is that they stop because when you're dealing with what is true, it's working, it's producing. You have an answer that's producing and evidently it's producing as well or more, you know, better than anybody else. And so, When you get the answer, you don't keep searching for an answer. When you get an answer, you don't keep going deeper. And so what happens is that people get hung up on what is true and leave so much potential because the biggest danger to your potential is not what you don't know. The Hmm. biggest danger to your potential is what you know for sure.
1: Oh man, that's so good. That is so good. I wish I could pull this quote out that is similar to that. Now I just heard it three months ago. Is that we're willing to challenge the things that we believe, except for the things we really believe, and we never begin to think to question those. And it's something like that. I think I might right, right. it. You get the general idea, right? It's along those same lines. I'll question. I'm willing to hold loosely in my hand these things that I believe. But then the things I really believe, I'm not willing to question those. For business people out there, i give a kind of an example for me about within the last year, my thoughts of this have totally changed where I was five years ago. And that was, I believed as the founder, you should really hold on to equity of a business. You should absolutely hold on to that and don't just give away that equity. And slowly but surely, I started to see examples in small business and even in big businesses, Elon Musk doesn't own 50% of Tesla. I think he owns like 30. Warren Buffett owns 15, 20% of Berkshire Hathaway. Those are big examples. And then there were other examples of small businesses where they brought somebody in, they gave them 20% equity in the company and the pie went literally doubled or tripled. And I started to think, you know what? I don't know if I have that right. I think that at the end of the day, people want a piece of the pie. And I've changed my thought process on that. Now, you don't want to dull it out, you know, just throw it around. But that's right. an example of me totally seeing that differently than I did years ago.
0: Yeah, I think the way you see it now is more
1: accurate than the way you saw it years ago. Obviously, you do too. Yeah, for sure. Andy, this has been great. Tell people, like, what are you doing now? Are you working on another book? Tell us about how you work with people. If somebody wants to reach out to you, tell us about that. Well,
0: I'm always <laughs> working on another book. Our biggest thing going right now is wisdomharbor.com. It's a connector for businesses, for families, for schools, but wisdomharbor.com, you got to see it to believe it. And you can subscribe to it and uh, entire family subscription for a year is less than half a tank of gas. And so we've put this just rock bottom, because this is helping so many people is connecting parents and kids and grandparents and grandkids and grandparents and adult children and bosses and employees, and it's a connector. In business, if you're looking to grow your company, if you look at what traditional businesses do, look another way, okay? Because one of the ways that I have explained to people What's happening, if you look at the five days a week, eight hours a day that people come into work, that's the time the boss is in control. That's what time you tell them what to do. And and it's not really eight hours a day, it's really seven hours a day because they're having lunch. And it's not really seven hours a day, it's really six and a half hours a day because they gotta send their funny YouTube videos to their friends and text to each other. So say six and a half hours a day, five days a week, And that's in a a little oval right there. And if you look inside that, that is the time they have to produce and their production is based on what they believe, how they think, how they behave, their understanding of relationships and teamwork. And so a boss will look at that and they'll instinctively know that to create more production, I've got to increase their level of thinking, increase their belief. I've got to increase their ability to communicate. I've got to grow their understanding of relationships and grow their understanding of teamwork. But what most companies do is they'll spend like this little one hour a month or one hour a quarter to bring a speaker in or to tell them something. And the challenge with that is even if it's good stuff, you got people who are going home and there's 17 and a half hours over here five days a week and then 24 on Saturday and 24 on Sunday. And people are so affected by the culture of the 17 and a half and the 24 on Saturday and Sundays that even if they change a little bit at work, they go home and they're so inundated with that culture. By the time they get back to work, it's the same person. And so companies have a hard time increasing the level of their employees with what they're doing. and. So the only answer is to engage people in this other time. And yet the challenge is you can't tell them what to do in that other time. And what has to happen is they've got to buy into it themselves. They've got to enjoy it. It's got to have some benefit that they see beyond the work. And most people, the important thing behind their spiritual life is their family. and what Wisdom Harbor does is it provides this stuff out of work that families can watch together, that mm-hmm. families can do together, that, that schools can use. You know, Wisdom Harbor is a web portal, has 20-something docks in the harbor, and these are like, betcha didn't know doc, a, how do I doc, a musician's doc, a writer's doc, all different kind of docs. And the material, the content, is delivered by Grammy winners, best-selling authors, comedians, coaches, master chefs, and it's delivered in six- and seven-minute little loops. And so they can pick and choose. Not all of it's for you, but gosh, there's enough of it. You know, Dave Ramsey, Dave just put answered in the question and answer doc. Dave had a couple of questions answered in there and there's you know in the question answer doc you can click on parenting on leadership on community and if you click on parenting it'll say do you want children adolescents teens or adult children and then that goes into another and you know we've got a cma songwriter of the year jimmy Urey, the guy who wrote i drive your truck he wrote i call mama for tim mcgraw and he's doing guitar lessons on wisdom Harbor. And so it's pretty cool. And I use that extensively. That's wisdomharbor.com. And I use that extensively with my coaching business, which is creating measurable results. And what I tell people is I help you compete in a way your competition doesn't know a game is going on. And I figured out some stuff a number of years ago that I started applying to a few select clients And I knew I had to have incredible results. I couldn't just get by with regular results because I'm a nobody. So, you know, it's like if Peyton Manning works with you and you only increase 15%, then wow, Peyton Manning worked with us. But if I work with you and you only increase 15%, you probably could have done it by yourself. Right. And so I knew I had to have companies doubling and tripling. And so we have figured out a way that we're guiding people to that. We have a mortgage company that doubled in their first year. We worked with them seven and a half years ago, they were at 5.4 billion and they went to 11.2 in a year. It had been 19 years to 5.4 and went to 11.2 in a year. And that's seven years ago. And they just closed last year at 72.5 billion in seven years. Got a boat company, One Water Marine, that's 400% in a year and a half a bank that has been stuck at one level on loans for years and years, and they just about doubled that now and from two point something billion to over four. And the coolest thing is, well, we have a bunch of big companies. We figured out how to scale it and how to be able to help small businesses. So we've started working with some small businesses now where it's affordable because at first I couldn't figure out how I was going to help anybody do this other than these big companies, but now we've got some great successes with small businesses and it's a lot of fun. I love it. I love helping people win.
1: I love it. I love it. And I love that you say creating measurable results and then you just went and gave examples of measurable results. The only thing that you've said in this entire hour we've been together. Is that I disagree with? As you said, that I'm a nobody, and that is not true. You're definitely more than well, nobody. You're, sure. you're kind.
0: Yeah. And people can get up with us on AndyAndrews.com. And if you put your email address in there, you'll get my podcast. It's not as good as yours, but we have one. And we call it the Professional Noticer Observations and Answers. And so, but definitely check out wisdomharbor.com and become a part of that because that's a -a one-of-a-kind thing. There's nothing else out there like it.
1: That's a no-brainer. We'll put the link in our show notes and also in our email that we send out to our listeners as well. Andy, it's been an honor. I hope to have you back on. Come on in the future.
0: Yeah, bud. I'll be glad to. Bradley, thank you for having me. It's an honor and we're lucky to have you out there digging and understanding because that helps us understand faster. Thank you for what you're doing.
1: Thank you. I think that sometimes I have a hard time trying to figure out what are the major takeaways. I don't think I have a hard time this one. Number one is when he distinguished between deep understanding versus deeper understanding. That hit with me. Number two, whenever he talked about perspective, how do you choose to see it? And then number three that really stood out is something that is true versus the truth. I've never heard that before. That was a big deal. And I guess actually, I'll give you a bonus one. Whenever he said that Jones told him that when people say don't sweat the small stuff, you better sweat the small stuff. And it is the little things. And I think it's like in that tension, right? Any of you listen to the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast? I love Craig Rochelle, would love to have him come on the podcast at some point. I love his episodes. He is just a dynamic speaker, incredible leader, somebody who I I just don't miss one of his episodes. And he talks about Gitmo, good enough to move on. And the idea is, can we get it to 80% and then move on instead of wallowing in perfectionism? And then somebody else that I look up to who I've kind of referred to in the past, who I'm not friends with, but just I kind of see from afar and Consider them a mentor, even though they don't know me. Is they talk about hey, it's the difference between like the gulf between good and great is massive. And then the gulf between great and excellent is even further. And so I wonder in the tension sometimes of where do certain things fall, right? Don't sweat at the small stuff. What is the saying? penny rich and dollar foolish, as an example, or penny smart and dollar foolish, whatever it is, you get the point. And so sometimes I end up kind of going back to, I think it's settling in the tension of that, of understanding that these small decisions and these small choices that we make ultimately add up. And I thought that was a great illustration whenever he talked about Michael Phelps winning his eighth gold medal, winning a million dollars and how small of a difference that was, right? That's the difference of him deciding to get one more lap. Not eating a cookie, sleeping one more hour, all those things add up to that fraction of a difference. That was awesome having Andy on. What an honor. Hey, real quick, big shout out to our podcast sponsors, Coach P, Consulting, Direct Clicks, Club Capital, and Rock Solid. They have been partners of ours for quite some time. They're all people that we use. we vetted out. And ultimately, at the end of the day, they get results for their clients. Make sure you mention the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. When you talk to David and sign up for his coaching, you get a free month. There's no reason why you wouldn't take him up on that. And you'll see why he's definitely the fastest growing business coach out there for insurance agency owners. Talking to Micah the other day around just the success they've been able to have this year with CFO Services, some of the results they've been able to get, the perspective that People have to be able to see, you know, what rate changes and adding, increasing marketing spend, adding staff is a big one for sure. So go to club.capital, book a no obligation demo. And if you're looking to actually add some staff and you want to actually consider so you can focus on more income producing activities and you put the best use of money is to be able to buy back your time, reach out to Tracy and her team, go to rocksolidassistance.com. I love my team. Could not imagine not having. Courtney and Ellie on my team I'm going to be able to do this. We would not be able to pull all this together. We produce like maybe one episode every six weeks because <laughs> I have no idea how they do everything that they do to make that happen, along with Ali on our team. So shout out to him and just the incredible work that he does of the production and the podcast engineering. And then last but certainly not least direct clicks if you want to be able to get some really good leads that actually your team can convert your sales team can convert and be able to do it in a way that is profitable you want to be able to work with the team at direct clicks go to direct clicks INC all right what an honor to have Andy on that was great if this was helpful to you would you consider sharing it shout out to Tyler Bullington was the one that actually inspired me to get Andy on the podcast he had mentioned in his episode how much he enjoyed that book and i thought oh gosh yeah totally forgot about that one and we were able to get me a deal, so I shout out to tyler for that one all right everyone until next episode Big well